This is Tech Talk for Accountant Show, where we discuss the hottest topics, tools, apps, and trends in the accounting industry. This show is sponsored by Rush Tech Support, who is offering all listeners of the show a free IT audit so you can know whether or not your business is at risk of being hacked, having a data breach, or getting fined hundreds of thousands of dollars for non-compliance. You can schedule a free check at rushtech.online slash podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Rush Tech Support. And with us today is Reza Huda. And Reza, why don't you give the audience a little background? Today, we're going to be discussing on pricing and how accountants can actually grow their practice and get paid what they're worth. Why don't you give everyone a little background on what got you into this uh, position? Sure. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. So I'm an accountant in practice. I run my own firm on the sunny south coast of the UK in the state of Hampshire. I have been here for the last 12 years. Prior to that, I traded with uh, PwC. So I bought the practice, quite a traditional practice, 12 years ago, and I've kind of transformed it from where it was to where it is today. And over the last sort of couple of years, I have managed to extract myself from the practice so that it runs profitably and I am able to manage it and run it on less than sort of 15 hours a week. And I spend the rest of my time coaching and mentoring other accountants to build more profitable, successful and impactful accounting firms, talking about things like pricing and positioning and building high performing teams and building systems and all that kind of good stuff. So when you're dealing with other accounting firms in being one yourself, I mean, you speak the language better than anyone because you literally are in that position. So it's not even you're giving advice based on, I read this in a book and it really says you need to focus on X, Y, and Z. When you're doing your consulting, it's more from a, this is where I was, here is where I am. And this is the path that I took to get here. So 15 hours in one week, I know a lot of people are thinking, yeah, right, that doesn't exist. That's not a real thing. So how do you leverage the ability to get 15 hours a week? Is it just you have one or two clients and then you you just don't have enough work? Or how do you build those systems to get up to <laughs> or down to 15 hours a week? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, it's not something that happened overnight. So this is kind of a long journey that I've been on over the last sort of 12 years making all the mistakes that you know you would when you're starting out and you really have no clue as to what you are doing. So I didn't have a clue about pricing or about marketing or about selling. And I went on a journey of you know kind of learning from others, experts in their fields, from within the industry, from outside the industry, work with top coaches and mentors and, and managed to get my practice to where it is today. So we have, you know, we have over 100 clients, we have uh, seven kind of full-time fee earners. And I guess what I've come up with is, and what I teach accountants through, is a four-pillar framework, which are the foundations to build a successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firm. And they are based around the four Ps, the four Ps being pricing, process, people, and positioning. And if you can get those four pillars right, which is kind of what the journey I went on, then really you can have a firm which you can run on 10 to 15 hours a week like I do because I've got my pricing rights and I have a system for pricing, which my people can follow. So that's one aspect. I have a team in place that are autonomous and are motivated and can handle client relationships. I don't, back in the day, you had you know 
partners of accounting firms would be very protective of client relationships. You know, they would be the ones who would have to sign off every email or letter. They would be the ones who would be on the phone to clients. For I have kind of delegated a lot out to my team. So my team handle the day-to-day client relationships. I support them as and when required. So the team handle the day-to-day. They, they run the practice. They can have even new client meetings now. They can deal with pricing matters. We have systems in place for the team to follow. And I get involved when it comes to when it comes to talking to prospects, then I enjoy doing that. So I still talk to uh, potential clients and I still have conversations where I am, you know, maybe pitching for high value tax planning work. And I enjoy that. And it also helps me then to kind of because I'm in the trenches and I'm actually doing and I'm seeing what's working and I'm trying new things because I love marketing. So I'm always learning about marketing and selling strategies from, you know, outside the industry, from experts in those areas, and then applying them to my firm and seeing what kind of results I get. When I get good results, then I share them with my accounting audience to help them get the same. So I guess it's, you know, learning from someone who is in the trenches and who's kind of been there before you, like you said, it helps to shortcut your learnings. I mean, I learned from someone who did exactly the same. So rather than me having to go through 10 years of heartache, I can learn from someone who's kind of been there and done it can tell me straight away what you're doing is a waste of time. Forget doing that. Do this instead. And that will give you results rather than me having to try 12 things to figure out the one thing that works. So absolutely what you said is, is, is spot on. And I think that a lot of us, especially those of the entrepreneur mindset, we're looking at, well, I need to run the company. I need to put this on the shoulders. I need to figure it out. And sometimes just because you in the past have reinvented the wheel doesn't necessarily mean that you need to keep reinventing the wheel when it already exists. And, you know, we're using these tools and these processes that you don't need to be the one that pioneers it. If it already exists, you just need to be able to execute. And I think a lot of people get hung up on well, I need more knowledge. I need to learn more. What if I make a mistake? And I think for me personally, I'm on the opposite side where I'm like, I'll make 10 million mistakes. And then I'll ask one person after 10 million mistakes and say, nothing works. They say, this works. And I'm like, I should have talked to you three years ago. (laughs) You get those grand slams and the ego. So how do we humble ourselves to be able to ask for help from people like yourself that have found success and are helping others? Is there a mind block? I know I'm just speaking on, you know, I'm just projecting my own thoughts on this from a lot of people, but how do you get into that mindset of not only wanting to grow, but accepting help to grow? Yeah, absolutely. That's a very, very good question. I guess it comes from how great is the pain that you're suffering at the moment that you feel the need to change your present situation. So that pain can be, I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I'm not getting the time to spend with my family. I'm not earning as much as I should. I'm not enjoying life. I'm not really getting out from my practice what I thought I would when I started it in the first place. Like you said, as entrepreneurs, we set up business because we felt we had We had different views. We felt we could do things better. We didn't like the status quo. And we wanted to live a life on our own terms. We wanted that financial freedom, that time freedom. But the problem is that 
most people remain in that technician mode and they don't create the systems and they don't create the high performing teams and they end up still doing everything that they did when they were a worker or an employee and therefore they end up burning out and don't actually realize their true potential of actually being an entrepreneur who builds things, who scales things, who solves problems. I heard something you know, quite powerful from someone who said, there is a difference between an entrepreneur and a small business owner. They're not the same thing. A small business owner is someone who owns and runs a small business. An entrepreneur is someone who solves problems. And for most of us who set up our own businesses, we do so because we think that we can do things better, that we can find a better way of doing things, that we can generate more value to clients who perhaps are not getting service that we would want, that we would expect uh, to receive. So I think the first is identifying the pain point. And then it's actually saying, well, in anything in life, if you want to get better at something, then the quickest and easiest way to do it is to be guided by someone who's been there before you that can hold you on track. If you want to you want to get fit, what do you do? You know, you go to the gym and you get signed up with a personal trainer. Why? Because that personal trainer will coach you, will make you realize your full potential, will tell you exactly what to do to get into shape, will hold you accountable. And through that, you get results. So, you know, there's no embarrassment about seeking a mentor or a coach in your business life. Just there, like there's no embarrassment with seeking a personal trainer to become better in your personal life. Um, that's kind of just the way I see it. And I still have a mentor that I learn from. I'm learning from, I mean, nowadays we are so fortunate that we have an abundance of information and actually the challenge is to kind of you know, deciphering what is useful and what is not. And I'm immersed in this because I'm able to free myself for the practice. I am consistently and probably unhealthily so consuming content at an alarming rate. So the amount of podcasts I listen to, YouTube videos I watch, blog posts and stuff that I read is just phenomenal and uh, books that I read. So I'm, I'm kind of consuming all this content to be able to then create content, which is very specific and honed in towards my audience to kind of help them in a more specialized way. And there is so much in that to unpack. Uh, one of the things that I think is greatly, greatly, greatly undervalued, and you did almost like briefly touch on it with the personal trainer aspect I too consume a ton of content and I think a lot of us, we know what we need to do, but on the other side of it, if the pain isn't great enough, we're not willing to make those changes. So, you know, there's so many people that are overweight and they just frankly aren't in good shape. And it's not because they hadn't been educated that the food that they're eating is not healthy, that their sedentary lifestyle is leading to this. These are little things that are compounded over time. They become part of our habits and it just becomes how life is. And then, you know, you hear so often there's people, they have the massive heart attack in their 40s or 50s. And they're like, I don't want my kids to grow up without a father because I am out of shape. Now is the time where I had that moment of clarity that I need to change. It wasn't just one random cheeseburger where they were like, I need to change. The massive heart attack needed to happen in order for them to realize I need to do this. So we get the awareness that the problem exists. Then we seek guidance and the accountability aspect of it, though, 
there's so many great ideas and so many things and you had touched on and i'm i'm going to assume since you had used the term technician uh one of your go-tos is probably emith revisited is that accurate indeed yep but, that's yeah right. so when people are working in the business and focusing so much on in the business and working directly with the clients and fixing these issues directly just as they would an employee working for someone else we lose sight of, I need to be growing the company. I need to be evaluating my prices. I need to be looking at my expenses. I need to be measuring my employees' output and having KPIs in place. And these aren't the sexy, fun things. You know, the people on Shark Tank, when they're pitching the company, it's like, my company helps save whales and everybody loves whales. Blah, blah, blah. They don't show the behind the scenes of here's how I made an Excel chart to measure the productivity of my employees. Like that's not fun, but it's so important. So how do we decipher the important gold nuggets that apply specifically to our industry without just getting that overload of there's 10 million books and the internet has infinite knowledge good or bad. Are there any tricks that you personally use to be able to decipher what is helpful and relevant to you? Yeah, no, that's a good, um, good question. Something I've come across recently to help with that is the concept of building a second brain because we, because we're consuming so much, we are, it's not so much information overload anymore. It's information overwhelm. There's just so much out there. How do we, we are consuming so much in terms of, you know, what we're reading, what we're watching, what we're listening to. And our brains are not designed to store information. Our brains are designed to creatively come up with ideas and troubleshoot and that sort of thing. So what we need really is somewhere where we can build a second brain, where we can categorize and store and actually make use of everything that we read, watch and listen to. And, you know, we can do that through ways and means like you know, creating a digital note-taking system and actually organizing our life in terms of having areas and projects and creating content from what we consume because we're more likely to retain something and actually learn from something if we create something from it and we teach someone else how to do something. So that's something that I've been kind of working on recently is to kind of build out this kind of second brain. So as soon as I, I read something or hear something or watch something, I can put it in a relevant place, not just to kind of file away and never see again, but actually organize my life in such a way that I put it into a project. So I have, you know, certain projects on the go and by putting it, knowing what those are, identifying what those are, even if those projects are maybe, you know, a year or two away, then it goes into this actual useful, meaningful system, which can then help me in the future. So it's all about what would be helpful for your future self. So let, let's say, I mean, for example, you know, I've, I've written a couple of books. I'm, I may write another book in five years' time. Wouldn't it be so much easier if, when it comes to writing a book, I already had a bank of content of things that I was putting together over five years to start from rather than, okay, Today, this year, my goal is to write a book. I stare at an empty screen. Now, that is so overwhelming, such a huge obstacle to overcome. Whereas if I can separate my life into projects from something that I want to do in a year, in five years, in 10 years, 
then I can build up to that and make stuff that I read, watch, and listen to so much more meaningful, relevant, and useful to my current self and my future self. And that's a great strategy. Do you have any particular tools? I use something similar through uh, David Allen's getting things done method where I, um, my personal use on it is through Trello and just like situations like this, even, even for instance, with podcasts, you know, I'll keep notes on the guests, things we talked about when it's happening real time, because it's so often that there are just great, great pieces of content and information that are happening just just during a conversation with somebody that knows the industry, knows the pain points. And, you know, so many of these things in business, it's not just, well, I have an accounting firm, therefore any other industry is completely irrelevant and only accountants can understand accountant issues because business in general, we got to look a little higher up and, you know, a business that is having issues. It could be an issue with marketing. All businesses need marketing in some form or another. It could be an issue with sales and closing the deals. And that can look like a million different things in your industry. It could be with fulfillment. It could be with customer service. It could be with vendors. It, you know, these things, they are very high level. They're not always industry specific. And sometimes we get in this mindset of, well, I am in this unique situation where I am not able to get outside resources or look at other industries for how they're solving this problem in other industries because it doesn't apply to my industry. And the truth is a lot of these big picture things, maybe not the exact tactics, but at a high level, businesses aren't as unique as the people inside of them want to believe it's just like humans we're we're composed like 99% the exact same in every single body and the differences we look at are the 1% because we just kind of take for granted all the other things that are all just working the same just your muscles and bones and organs like so many of these things in everybody it's the exact same thing on autopilot and we just we try to pinpoint the differences and we say well we're all so different we're all these snowflakes. Each one is created and individually crafted so differently. And it's like, well, if we just look at humans, and if you want to be a healthy human, you could eat healthy and exercise. And that works for like 99.9% .9 of humans. It doesn't have to be just how this works specifically for Andrew. Yet, we could look at how my body reacts specifically to different types of diets, different types of exercise, we can hone in. So just like with our industry, we can look at, here's a high level marketing strategy that works in other industries. However, I need to tweak it a little bit for my industry, but we don't have to just reinvent the wheel over and over. I think that's what we keep coming back on is there are resources to be able to find better ways of doing things and when you come across these golden nuggets, having a way that you can document it and put it away for later, because there will be things in our industry, for instance, where here is a new software that could be used for insert tech thing that we either need a different vendor for or a more specialized vendor. You know, a lot of our clients are accountants. So we need to look at products that solve problems 
that works specifically with accounting software. So if we weren't specialized, if we weren't niched, and say the antivirus we use doesn't work with Drake accounting, for any other industry, that's going to be a small percentage fraction of your clients. And it's like, okay, well, you know, can't please everybody. But for us, it's a larger percentage. And that's something that we need to take into account when we're working with vendors and when we're working with other organizations. And these ideas will pop up and having a way to document it. I think there's there's two pieces of it because we love to just be busy and spin our wheels. And there are so many big picture, more important things that we should be doing that we don't necessarily feel like doing. We don't feel like putting together a marketing plan. We don't feel like doing these things that make us uncomfortable. And so you're discussing about how we can document these things, put them away. Do you have any sort of shortcuts to what your system looks like for retaining these? Yes, sure. So basically, um, I'm a bit of a tech geek and I, uh, I use a lot of tools and software and check out different apps. And I know you use Trello, so I use Trello as well. But I think the software I'm about to tell you will will blow your mind when you get into it. So it's called Notion. I don't know if you've heard of Notion before. But basically, Notion, it's probably it's about a year or two old. But it combines Trello, Asana, Evernote, Todoist, all into one. It's so customizable. You can build kind of databases, put notes in. It links all nicely. It looks beautiful. So that's kind of where I'm building out my second brain now. So I've kind of transitioned across from Trello and I'm using Notion now to kind of build out my second brain. And it's one of those, if you watch productivity videos on YouTube, it is the number one app that the productivity gurus advocate and recommend. So uh, yeah, I'd advise you to check that out. You mentioned about podcasts kind of, you know, documenting conversations or snippets from podcasts. Well, a good app, for you to easily do that is AIR, A-I-R-R. And what that allows you to do is if you listen to your podcast on AIR, then as soon as you hear something that is worthy of uh, recording, what you can do is you, you press the button and it takes you back the last 30 seconds or a minute or however much you want to record. It takes that snippet and then you can then share it into your second brain, whatever you want to. So, you know, snippets of podcasts, uh, again, you know, it's all about kind of documenting everything we read, watch, and listen to. If you read on a Kindle, then you can use the Readwise app, which will take all your highlights and email them to you or enable that you to put those highlights into your second brain automatically without any manual intervention. So, yeah, it really, the, the tech is just, it's so powerful these days and actually having one central system of truth that you can build out and then everything else that you come across, you then feed into the central system and then, you know, if you do that for years and you look back on it at sort of five or 10 years work and, I'm, and you know, it'll just be mind blowing. It's how much you've been able to, to store in your second brain. So the earlier you start, the better. Yeah. And that one central system of truth, I think you could really apply that to an organization level as well. I mean, we literally, we just ran into uh, not necessarily an issue, but just not everybody on the team was familiar with this one idiosyncrasy that happens with, with a cert, certain encryption with certain motherboards. And so we had put it in the announcements channel in, um, in Slack. 
And then I was, well, you know, we really should be having a documentation system, not mm -hmm. just of, hey, everybody, here's a note, hope you remember it, but moving it to that permanent knowledge base. And the ticketing system is done through Freshdesk. And it's like, Freshdesk is the central system of truth. If you can find the information in there, it's going to be accurate. It's going to be relevant to our specific company, our specific customers, and not having the, and, and I run into this so frequently where it's like, we could save it in Freshdesk. We could save it in Synchro. We could save it in Trello and then get all the team on Trello. And then we have 17 different apps where the truth is somewhere and have to dissect it all in a moment's notice without having to use just pure memory for so many different things. So I love that idea, that central system of truth. Yeah. And would you agree that that helps your organization to where you don't need to be in it because you have put your brain into the brain of the organization and you can empower your employees when they solve unique issues to update that knowledge base. So it's not just, well, this one person solved this one issue and now that one employee is the only one that knows how to do it. It's like chef in a kitchen where you've got to train everybody on how to do these recipes. You can't just be, well, I'm the only one that knows how to make this because you're a single point of failure. And if you're sick, you'd have to tell everyone, well, sorry, you can't eat that today. Only one person is allowed to cook this thing. Mm -hmm. And empowering everybody, it makes you free up your time. It, it puts processes in place so that the correct things are getting done every single time. And your clients appreciate it because they're getting better, consistent service and if you can meet expectations, even, and I mean, I'm all for going above and beyond and our NPS scores show it, but if you just look at McDonald's, right? Billion served, you could go to a McDonald's virtually anywhere and get virtually the exact same experience, no matter which one you go to, because they are like the poster child of here is what a McDonald's experience looks like. Is it going to be perfect? Usually not. I, I can't think of times when people are like, oh, I love McDonald's. Their food is so wonderful. Yet they have billions and billions and billions of dollars of sales. So that consistency and people know what to expect. So even though Joe's Burger Shack right next door may have better food, better quality, better service, better ambiance people still go where they're comfortable and know what to expect because heaven forbid, what if Joe's burger joint isn't what they wanted it to be? So getting that consistent experience and having these things documented. So people, your employees, everybody's on the same page. When you hire new people, it's easier to get them up to speed. It doesn't have to be, oh, you weren't in the chat when I put that message out guess you'll never learn that information until it's too late again. And we have to relearn this with you. So I, I think that's such a great concept. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, that central system of truth. And so what, what one or two things would you say are the most important for people getting themselves out of working in their firm and to working 
on their firm? We talk about it so much, but do you have one or two tips that are just the golden nuggets that I get to write down <laughs> and learn for myself? <laughs> yeah, I think the, you know, the one subject that we've just been talking about is systems. You know, we cannot under, underestimate the power of systems. And it's, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's not something which is very exciting. You know, writing down a process and building a system is the last thing that you want to do. But it is so critical if you want to build a business, not just kind of a glorified job. If you want to build a truly scalable business, you need to have systems in place. You build the systems and then you get the right people to run those systems. So especially in accounting firms, you know, you'd have many systems. So we talked about a source of truth. You should have a CRM system. You should have one system where you've got all your client data. I'm amazed at how many firms are out there who don't have a CRM system in place where they can't say who are their clients, where are all their address details and emails and mobile phones and details, all that kind of thing. That is fundamental. You know, you need to have a, a CRM system. Then you can have workflow systems. So with accounting firms, we have certain things that we do each and every year like accounts and VAT returns and tax returns, and there are deadlines for them. So having a workflow system in place, so you're not relying on your memory as to when the deadline is for a certain company's accounts to be filed. So having a, a workflow system for each client, which you can look at a dashboard and at a glance, see which ones are upcoming in the next months, in the next three months, in the next six months, is crucial. Having an onboarding system. So what is the process that we go through when we take on board new clients, which is an area that many accountants fall down upon because a new client comes on board and suddenly they are chasing their tail as to what needs to be done. It's very haphazard. You know, it, this, the first 100 days of a new client experience is so important because that can make you or break how that new client feels about you. You know, when you take on board a new client, when you've had that meeting, when they agree to do business with you, there are two conflicting emotions going through that prospect or new client's mind. One is fear and the other is excitement. The excitement is because they found someone that can work with, they're excited to get working with you because of what you're going to do for them and the pain you're going to take away and the dreams you're going to help realize. But at the same time, they're fearful. They're fearful that what if this accountant treats me like my last accountant did, which is the reason why they're moving. What if I get the same bad experience that I did with my last accountant? The head is filled with all these what ifs. And what we don't want to do is we don't want them to have buyer's remorse where they join us and then they hear nothing for a week. They have to chase us. We're, oh, I haven't heard from you. Uh, what's the next date in the process? So we should have an onboarding process which clearly identifies who in the team does what, what communication points, what touch points are required with this new client throughout that first 100 days, because it's critical. If you can win over that client and really wow them in that first 100 days, then they'll be with you for life. They'll be a loyal customer. They'll be do they'll do your marketing for free. They'll be your raving fan and your advocate. So I'd say one thing, systems are crucial, and there's many systems in your accounting firm which you should attend to and look at so that your team know exactly what to do. And there is a consistency in the experience that your existing clients and new clients get when they work with you. And the other, of course, is I'd say people, getting the right people on board to have to run those systems, to be able to deliver the kind of experience that you want. And a lot of time it's about, so and delegating as well. So, you know, a lot of the time we, you know, we control a lot. We think, oh, 
I'm just going to do it because it will be faster if I do it. If I give it to, you know, X person, they'll make a mistake and I'll have to review and correct it anyway. So I'll just get on and do it. But by doing that, you're not helping your employees to grow. You are just adding more work to yourself. You will never be able to cut down the number of hours you work if you don't delegate work out. And if you don't allow people to make mistakes and learn from them, they will never grow and you will be faced with the same workload and issues that you currently have. So building up your team, having this, you know, allowing people to make mistakes and creating a nurturing environment. So, you know, a lot of the time I hear accounting firmos saying, oh, it's so hard to find the right people. My people are motivated. But actually, we as leaders have a responsibility to create an environment which attracts the best talent, which retains our high performers, and which maximizes everyone's potential. That's our job to do that. And we can do that by creating that culture where people feel safe, they have a sense of belonging, people can put their hand up and say, I really don't know what I'm doing, without fear of being ridiculed or being embarrassed. We are responsible for creating that culture, for really knowing what motivates employees. What motivates employees is not money. What motivates employees is having a sense of autonomy in what they're doing, being able to master a skill, getting good at something. And this is derived from the book by uh, Daniel Pink called Drive. The three um, elements which uh, drive employee motivation, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So they, our employees are attached to a higher purpose. You've articulated your vision of your wider purpose in the world, what they're working to achieve. It's not just doing the mundane day-to-day. What they're doing is contributing to a much bigger goal, which you have articulated and which everyone is happy to be a part of. So I think I'll stop there, but hopefully there's, there's been a couple of nuggets in there for you. Oh my gosh. There's like too many, there's too many nuggets. <laughs> Fingers hurt from all the typing. <laughs> Reza, well, I think that's a great place to uh, stop off. Where can people learn more about you and your coaching and how you can help them? Sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there. I create a lot of content on LinkedIn. So just connect with me there. I also have a website, resohooder.com. So yeah, feel free to check that out as well. Fantastic. And to everyone listening, if you enjoyed the episode, you need to stop crunching the numbers and crunch that subscribe button so you can keep getting updates whenever we put out new episodes. And, you know, we're getting more and more great guests, just like Reza. I'd learned so much from this episode. I'm sure plenty of other listeners have as well. And thank you so much for being on the Tech Talk for Accountants show. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. Be sure to subscribe if you like the show. And remember, if you would like a complimentary IT audit of your business, go to rushtech.online slash podcast to schedule a time with a certified technician who can look over your current IT systems and make recommendations on how to make sure you and your clients are safe.